everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Very Cold Lasagna Podcast, your filthy casual place for all the filthy casual takes on the world of sports. I am Dylan Lasagna, and welcome back to another episode of this icy yet spicy podcast, however you may be consuming it, whether it's on YouTube or on the audio side of things. And this is episode number 133, and boy, we got another good one for you all today because... We are continuing along as we enter a new month, but we still have some things to cover in part two of our 2022 NFL season recap month. That is right. We ended the month of February kicking off our season recap month as, well, we began we began season recap month with the six absolutely worst teams in the NFL. Well, what were, who were those six teams? Well... Just to give you a little bit of a debrief, um, those six teams were the Chicago Bears, the Houston Texans, the Arizona Cardinals, the Indianapolis Colts, the Denver Broncos, and the Los Angeles Rams. So if you want to know my full thoughts on each of those teams, the, the stories that were told, and what I thought each team needs to do this offseason, which, by the way, starts, I believe, next week, um, if I'm correct, when the new league year starts, what they need to do this offseason to maybe either like take a next step forward or maybe even an immediate step forward to their ultimate goal, whatever that may be, then you want to know my full thoughts? Go back and listen, consume that episode, and then come back to this one because there's a lot of teams left to cover here in season recap month of very cold lasagna and part two there's a lot of seven and teners a lot of mediocrity i gotta say yes a lot of mediocrity in in this episode not in terms of oh this podcast is mediocre <laughs> it all depends on how you think of it no um part two of nfl season recap month there's a there's a lot of stench of mediocre teams I say that well. There's a lot of teams that went seven and ten, either because well, they were just not not good, not great, but they also weren't terrible. They were just uh, well, they were just meh. They were just mid. So yeah, that's who what we're gonna be talking about here in episode one uh, one hundred and thirty three of this uh, podcast here today. Um, obviously before we do, you know, make sure you listen to the show, uh, follow the show on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at very cold lasagna. Make sure you leave a comment, subscribe, like rate and review the show, all that good stuff. So with that being said, let's waste no more time. Shall we? We got six more teams to cover in this episode in our season recaps. So with that being said, let's get on with the first team of season recaps. So kicking things off with part two of our 2022 NFL season recaps is, well, a team some of you may be familiar with. We're going to be taking a trip down to Sin City before we go into the land of mediocre, mediocrity, the land of seven and tens. But before we do, we got to take a trip down to Sin City and visit the silver and black. Yes, I'm talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, for the Raiders, obviously going into 2022, they were coming off one of the most interesting seasons um, in 2021, uh, in my opinion at least. You had the John Gruden email leaks and then the Henry Ruggs arrest slash release um, affecting the team on all fronts midseason, physically, emotionally, mentally. And then interim head coach Rich Passaccia rallies the troops. Um, they win four straight games. Um, to make the playoffs, including that crazy ending to the whole season last year. And they actually managed to nearly, just nearly upset Joe Burrow and the Bengals in the first round of the AFC playoffs. Uh, sure, they didn't uh, win the game, but they you, you saw how motivated they were to like try and win um, that game against Cincinnati. Um, but... Rich Passaccia wasn't retained. Uh, he wasn't promoted as the permanent head coach. Um, so Mark Davis elected to hire Josh McDaniels as the newest head coach of the Raiders during the last offseason. And, you know, at the time, it seemed like a fine decision. Um, perhaps maybe he could 
get the best out of quarterback Derek Carr, um, who's had a lot of limitations um, in his decade of being in the NFL. And along with bringing along Josh McDaniels, you're bringing in a new general manager and Dave Zeigler, who got feisty in free agency. You're bringing a linebacker from Arizona in free agency in Chandler Jones. And they make this massive trade um, to bolster the offense that was kind of missing that number one receiver. And you do so by getting a big piece in the Green Bay Packers receiver, Devontae Adams. You, you steal him away. You snatch him away from Green Bay. You snatch away Aaron Rodgers' big weapon. And you reunite him with his college weapon. Uh, his college guy, Derek Carr. So you all of a sudden have an offense that has Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, and Darren Waller. You know, it seemed like a pretty good offense that could be a problem in the AFC West. The only question that had to be answered was, well, could Derek Carr take advantage of that offense? And, well, a lot of that was not necessarily answered um, throughout the 2022 season. And, and to be honest with you, they the Raiders, you know, you saw flashes of of how well the offense could be at times, except they just couldn't get out of their own way uh, for a good bunch of it. You know, you start the season having a shaky outing against the L.A. Chargers and you have a solid home opener um, against the Arizona Cardinals. But then you, it turns into a complete disaster because you choke away a sizable 20 nothing lead and then you lose. Um, 29 to 23 in overtime in what served to be what was to come for Josh McDaniels Raiders. So yeah, that l overtime loss where they were up 20 to nothing against Arizona. It actually, yeah, it was not good. It was not good. A lot of bad management by McDaniels, a lot of conservative calling. And unfortunately there was a lot of it that ended up being more of that. So the Raiders started 0-3. They managed to beat Denver because Denver sucks um, in week four in a game where Josh McDaniel seemed to have figured out his offensive game plan. Feed Josh Jacobs. Because honestly, um, four weeks in, Derek Carr wasn't, eh, I mean, not really lighting the world on fire. Um, but despite the new game plan, the choking continued. Um, they blew double-digit leads to the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Sandwiched in between those losses were a shutout loss in New Orleans and an embarrassment at the hands of Jeff Saturday's Colts in his first ever game. Mid-season, mind you. Like, it doesn't get any more embarrassing for the silver and black, you know. And by that point, they were 2-7. and seven. Um, And a good amount of that was, well, because Josh McDaniels couldn't like really, really take advantage. He couldn't really game plan around his offense. He really couldn't get the best out of Derek Carr. And you know, Derek Carr, he also couldn't really, um, he couldn't really figure out like the defenses. He couldn't really get aggressive like he did in the in the later half of the 2021 season. So the Raiders made one last desperate attempt at a wild card berth, winning their next four or five games. Um, but it was kind of too little too late by that point. And the last one, the last victory, uh, I think it was like week 15. It was pretty much gifted to them because that was primarily to Jacoby Myers being a dumbass and literally rattling a, a ball back to Chandler Jones. And we all remember how that went. <laughs> we all remember how that went against the Patriots. Uh, unfortunately for Las Vegas, they rode the high of that luck too much. They lost another winnable game against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Christmas Eve. Um, and then that's when the Raiders decided that, you know what? We're going to shut down Derek Carr. We're going to shut down Derek Carr. Um, we finally had enough of him a little, maybe a little too late for that, you know, despite um, giving him a big fat contract. Um, but hey, you know, I guess better late than never, I guess. So they would end the season 6-11, and 11, and then the inevitable would come to fruition two days after the Super Bowl, um, after Derek Carr absolutely refused uh, a trade anywhere. And the Raiders would release Derek Carr before um, a big chunk of money uh, of guarantees would kick in. So, yeah, for the Raiders, it was absolutely 
a disappointing season after a kind of inspiring season the from the year prior. So where did things go wrong for um, Las Vegas? Well, they blew at least five double-digit leads um, this past season, and they lost a lot of one-score games. Um, like I said, primarily due to how conservative and how complacent Josh McDaniels' play calling was after they got up to such a big lead. Like, you have to keep scoring. You have to keep attacking. Um, yes, Derek Carr is pretty limited. He keeps he keeps deferring to the check down. Um, he, he kind of was also missing, like, um, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller for half of the year with serious injuries. But still... You have a number. You have your top weapon in Devonte Adams, and you can't really. He can't really take advantage of that. But at the same time, it's like Josh McDaniels was really complacent with his calls when they were up so big. And yeah, going back to Derek Carr, yeah, he turned it over more and more as well. He threw it less as well, and he completed less of his passes. So for Derek. He'll probably get a starting job elsewhere on a team that's really desperate to get a quarterback. But I really hope teams realize that he's going to have to earn his payday. I really do. Um, but on a positive note, I guess, you know, you had Ed Rusher, Max Crosby, and Josh Jacobs had Pro Bowl type years. Josh Jacobs, at least for this year, you know, he, had, he showed that he can be a quality back when he's healthy. And paid it paid as such, but who knows? Just hope that the Raiders don't overpay him. But overall, though, I mean, it can't be understated that coming off an inspiring late season run from last from last season, it was followed up with a disappointing campaign in this one. So for the Raiders, you know, after you release their car, you got a shit ton of money to work with. Um, you have around like 46 million at the time of this recording. Maybe they'll get even more if they either restructure some contracts, um, if they can, or you release some other players as well. Um, and then you hold the seventh overall pick in the NFL draft. So maybe that, and maybe in an ideal spot to get a quarterback, whichever one's the best one, or maybe you make a trade up with the bears or whoever to get the, the, the guy you want. Um, the, the best one out there, but you do have to make a, some key decisions on who you want to keep um, Keep around because you do have a couple of unrestricted free agents, especially Josh Jacobs um, You do since you didn't pick up his fifth-year option. You do have to um, Sign them to a big fat contract if they want to <laughs> That's the thing if they want to and then there are some other like key free agents like Matt Collins, Jermaine Alunamore, Alunamore, if you am pronouncing that right, uh, Foster Moreau, uh, Rock Yassin, um, and even backup quarterback Jared Stidham. I mean, are they going to keep him around? Something that's something to to answer as well. Um, obviously, the biggest thing to address in this offseason is getting a quarterback. I do think that using that seventh overall pick or maybe even higher is where the Raiders need to use that pick to get a quarterback. Like I said, it can be anybody, um, just as long as Dave Zeigler uh, scouts well and gets that right quarterback. They need to use whatever pick they they need um, in the top 10, whether it's at 7 or if they trade up to go get their guy um, to draft the best remaining quarterback prospect. And then... You do have to beef up the interior defensive line to support Max Crosby and Chandler Jones because um, outside of those two on the edge, there wasn't really much help um, in the interior um, in terms of the pass rush. So, you know, now that both um, the Raiders and Derek Carr have gone their separate ways, um, the Raiders kind of have to nail most, if not all, this offseason. Like I said, they have a good amount of cap space. They have a high draft pick. Um it's just a matter if Mark Davis and Dave Zeichler, um really are interested in, you know, going, um, going and getting a really good uh, quarterback prospect in this draft. Um, if not, then well, there are court, there are QB options in the free agency market. It's just a matter of picking the right one. Now there are some like uh, speculators, uh, 
out there that want that are saying like, oh, let's go get let's let's have the Raiders go and get Aaron Rodgers. It's like, does Aaron Rodgers really want to play in Las Vegas, even with his buddy Devontae Adams there? Really, I don't know. So, you know, the Raiders have to at least get the quarterback position right, whether it's for agency or in the draft. I personally think it's the draft. But if they can't get that part right, then why even take a gamble in Sin City if you're an NFL player? I'm just saying. So next up in part two of our season recaps, we're going to be talking about some dirty birds. And that is, of course, the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, you know, they went 7-10 and 10 last year. But a lot of people like me thought that the Atlanta Falcons were going to be one of those bottom-feeding teams um, this past season and competing for, you know, at least the first, second, or third overall pick in this upcoming draft. Um, I personally predicted them to win a minimum of three games. Yes. <laughs> Those were my expectations from back in July. Um, a lot of reasoning for that was because, you know, they got rid of longtime but aging starter Matt Ryan. And, you know, they didn't really have an answer at quarterback. You know, they got Marcus Mariota um, in last offseason, and they also drafted third uh, at third in the third round, um, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Um, but you didn't really uh, see a lot from Desmond Ritter um, in Cincinnati, even though he, out of the weak quarterback class from that draft, he seemed like the most kind of ready-ish um, in terms of that weak QB class. But even then, you know, you still had a roster that was still ripe with short-term options all around through their limited salary cap. And, Overall, you know, this basically was supposed to be like year one of a rebuild-ish, uh, trying to establish a culture under second-year head coach Arthur Smith. And, you know, perhaps maybe even trying to know if Desmond Ritter could be a long-term option for them. Well, looking at this 2022 for Atlanta, I, I guess you could say half of that worked out for them. Maybe. You tell me. Because, you know, despite the already mentioned roster issues, Arthur Smith and his staff, you know, he made them somehow made the most of it again, especially on offense. You know, Marcus Mariota looked okay for the first half of the year. And at times, you know, it looked like he could resurge back into the player that he was when he was a rookie with the Tennessee Titans. But again, he, he had those moments where he turned the ball over. Um, and then the running game was probably perhaps the biggest positive of this group. Um, when Cordell Patterson was, yeah, he was the engine, of the offense yet again, but when he was out with injury and even when he was, when he came back from injury, it was the backup running backs of Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier that did really well. Um, and Algier managed to like rush over, like <laughs> rush really well. Um, it, and even had like a couple of hundred yard games as well. Uh, rookie receiver Drake London performed really well. Um, he, he with great speed, reached for the ball. Perhaps maybe he could be a, one of the top receivers in the league. Um, but uh, maybe that's a bit of a stretch. And this is despite not having Kyle Pitts um, for much of the season. Um, and that's kind of unfortunate for them. Uh, the offensive line, though, it still had its patches, but. Uh, right tackle, Karen uh, McGarry, um, center Drew Dalman. They did well in run blocking, pass protecting, uh, something that Atlanta has lacked in the last in the last few years. Lin Chris Lindstrom also got a Pro Bowl nod. Um, defensively, um, you, you know, there's a lot of areas of improvement. Um, the, the pass rush, defensive end Grady Jarrett didn't really get much help. Um, inside linebacker Rashawn Evans and corner A.J. Terrell. You know, they were kind of like swarms, um, you know, in the Hornets' nest. Um, made really good plays, but outside of that, not really much else. It just felt like Atlanta could use a couple more starting pieces to support their good players. And, you know, look at their season as a whole. You know, they overcame an 0-2 start to the season. You know, played some good football against, you know, actual playoff contenders, like against the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers. And they even cut it close to Tom Brady and the Bucks at one point early in the season. And what ended up being a very weak a NFC South. They even surpassed the Bucks at one point because they were playing so bad. Uh, the Bucks were playing so bad. So, yeah, I mean, 
it looked like at one point the Falcons were actually going to win the division, but they went four and four at the midway point, um, and they started falling apart after they lost a heartbreaker to the Chargers, and they were embarrassed in prime time against by the Panthers. And a lot of that had to do with the inconsistency of Marcus Mariota and his limitations glaring up again. Um, so after their bye week, um, Arthur Smith elected to bench Mariota for Desmond Ritter. Um, he was pretty much like phoning in the season. And, you know, he wanted to see what Ritter had to offer. I mean, for Ritter, you know, he looked rough in the games that he played because, you know, when you start your rookie, like literally four games in, <laughs> with four games left in the season, of course, he's going to look rough um, because, well, you didn't start him earlier because I don't know why you didn't. Uh, but anyway, uh, against the Bucks backups, you know, he looked a little bit cleaner. Um, he also threw his first and second touchdowns of his career. So, I mean, you you can't necessarily go into 2023 like with commit committing to Ritter too much. You might need another option at QB. But overall, Atlanta went seven and ten again in 2022. Um, but they're dead last in, in what was a putrid division. Um, but I don't know. What can you really make of it? What can you really make of this team right now? I mean, yeah, they they were in a future division. They almost could have won a future division. Um, but this could either be a launching pad um, for what's to come or maybe not. Because with the Bucks perhaps blowing things up, it can be wide open. Things can be wide open for for Atlanta in the NFC South, depending on how things play out for the front office. And they have a good amount of money to spend this offseason and a top draft pick. Let's get into that right now. So the Falcons have a solid amount of money to spend. They have around $56 million to spend. And they have the eighth overall pick in, in the NFL draft, if I'm correct. So not a bad, not a bad idea. Not a bad ideal plan for... The Falcons um, this coming offseason. And looking at some of the key regions, you know, not too many to, uh, to note of other than Rashawn Evans and Isaiah Oliver at corner. And I guess Bradley Pinion. Niners fans may be familiar with them. Um, and looking at some of your needs to address this offseason, obviously the two big names you want to resign are the ones I just named uh, Rashawn Evans and Isaiah Oliver. And then you want to use. Perhaps the NFL draft, maybe not your first round pick, um, but maybe the later rounds of the draft, whatever you have, to stock up on defense. Maybe you could find somebody um, in the later rounds to bolster up your defense. And then then you want to answer the question, maybe at number eight, um, or maybe in the second round. Do you want to um, gab, grab another quarterback? Do you want to invest that high in grabbing a long-term answer quarterback. Because again, you don't really know what you have in Desmond Ritter yet. And maybe you want Ritter to compete with somebody. We'll see. Um, and then obviously you want to retool the offensive line because, yeah, I mean, they were okay in pass protection, but you know, always want to have competition up front and you always want to protect your quarterback. So, for, for Desmond Ritter, obviously, you, you only have much of a sample size um, with the final four games that he played. But I think that the Falcons should bring in a little bit of competition for him. Um, if the Falcons believe he can be their long-term starter, then, again, bring in some competition for him. Um, use this offseason to fill a good amount of their key areas. Um, and unlike, you know, again, unlike years past, they have the cash base. They have nine picks in this NFL draft. So the front office and the coaching staff have plenty to work with. And if they're able to track quality players, both in free agency and the draft, and whichever quarterback shows good offseason progress, then who knows? The NFC South just might be theirs for the taking. So next up, we're going to take a trip down to the Big Easy, which actually ended up being the Big Hard. And that is, of course, talking about the New Orleans Saints. So for the Saints, last 2021, they went 9-8. and eight. They nearly eked out a wildcard spot, um, almost took that away from the San Francisco 49ers. 
but you know they lost out due to tiebreakers and stuff. Um, so for the Saints, they were beginning a completely new era in 2022. Drew Brees already retired after the 2020 season, and you had longtime head coach Sean Payne uh, step down two weeks after the 2021 season ended. Um, so in came in defensive coordinator Dennis Allen, getting promoted to head coach. But obviously, when I talked about um, Dennis Allen when I was previewing the Saints season, I had plenty of questions. Um, you know, despite having a solid roster with when it came to Dennis Allen, because when Dennis Allen was coaching the Oakland Raiders, um, you know, he didn't exactly do that well um, during his tenure. He went, I think, an abysmal two and fourteen. He had a really bad losing record, and you know, he didn't. I think he only lasted a season and a half, if I remember correctly. Um, someone back me up on that. Um, so you had some questions on how he would fare in his second coaching gig. Um, and you also had questions about when James Winston and receiver Michael Thomas would be healthy enough to play coming off the, the injuries. James Winston coming off a torn ACL and Michael Thomas, you know, he's been battling like leg injuries, like for the last, uh, last season and, and a half. So a lot of questions, um, for the saints to answer. And, you know, a lot of those questions were actually answered only a month in. Uh, for the Saints, they look good on both ends on offense in the first game of the Falcons. You know, Winston looked productive. Um, prior, he looked at looked like the same productive version that he was prior to the ACL injury the season prior. And Michael Thomas, you know, he looks pretty solid, shaking off that rust. Um, he was Winston's preferred receiver in a, what was a fourth quarter comeback against Atlanta. And then you had others like Taysom Hill, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave, Alan Kamara producing as well. And when you look at the Saints in that in that game, it seemed like they could have been an offensively solid team. But then you remember, it was only week one. Because after that game, Winston reverted back to throwing interceptions um, and against the Bucks and the Panthers. And then when you realize when you look at it, well, a good reason for that was, well, he was playing through back fractures that he suffered in that first game against the Falcons. So that affected his ability to throw. So, and here comes Andy Dalton. Now take over the starting spot from week four uh, onwards. And, well, let's just say that he didn't play terrible, but he also didn't play great. He was just very mid he, it, the play was so conservative that it pretty much limited the offense. It was limited to just check downs, occasional mid range and deep ball throws, pretty much, you know, uh, plays like tip, like expected from Andy Dolan at like in his mid thirties. So like I said, it pretty much limited what the offense was able to do. Um, especially when they were playing from behind, you know, when you're, when the saints were playing from behind. Yeah. It's like not the best situation you want to be in. So, on a positive note, though, you know, their defense kept them in a good amount of the games, especially when you have, like, um, players like Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport, and linebacker Demario Davis, and new new safety Tyron Matthew. Um, But the problem was the offense. You know, it's an offense-driven league. And when the offense is, like, capped at a ceiling with Andy Dolan, it would undo you in those very tight games. And they also had a lot of injuries to a good amount of its key players um, that did them in. You only had Michael Thomas for like three games. Um, starting corners, Marshawn Lattimore and Bradley Lo- Roby missed a good amount of time. Lattimore didn't come back until week 17 when they beat the Eagles. Um, so they were missing a good amount of key players. So for the, for the Saints, even despite all of that, they actually were still in the fight for the NFC South because they were playing in a putrid, crappy division. Um, that is the NFC South, thanks primarily to the Bucks being total dog shit. Um, so the Saints actually had as much of an opportunity to steal it, but th- again, they, they weren't that great. They weren't um, terrible either, but it was just their problems that I already talked about. Um, it, it just didn't help them at all. And, you know, they got a, 
upset win over the Eagles, albeit they didn't have Jalen Hurts. But after what happened already around the league, they were already eliminated from playoff contention for the second straight year, and they ended their season at 7-10. and 10. So overall, you know, they had a very limited season in 2022, especially offensively. But at least, you know, rookie receiver Chris Olave looked pretty good, uh, pretty efficient. Um, but the problem was, yeah, other than that, that offense um, did not look great. Did not, um, it was pretty capped um, when you ha- had any doll at the helm. And you didn't even bother. Dennis Allen didn't really bother um, to try to try uh, Jameis Winston, um, even when he was he- like already fully healthy again. Um, after, I think it was like week six, when he was fully healthy, uh, ready to go. Not even, a, not even a hinge. So now the Saints are kind of in that, like kind of in that purgatory. Uh, not, they're not bad, but they're not good either. They're like in, in that neutral zone of, well, shit, we're kind of stuck here. We're kind of stuck here. And that's kind of going to continue for perhaps even next season, which sucks for them, especially considering their off season. It's like, what can they even really do? What can they, what can the saints really even do? They're in way in the red with their cap space. They're there at this time. They're like 44 million over the, over the cap. So they owe a lot of money. And, like, how are they going to restructure, like, some of their contracts? And they have a couple of key for agents, like Marcus Davenport, Jarvis Landry, Bradley Roby, backup running back Mark Ingram. So, it's like, if they want to keep any of them, it's like, how are you going to plan to? And, oh, and I think Jameis Winston is also a, uh, a free agent. So, like, man, it's like, how are you going to, what, 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 what are you going to do here? And some of the things that you have to address in free agency in the draft is like, well, the first thing you got to do is find a way to get under the salary cap again. You got to work that magic, man. So after you do that, it's like you got to find some cheap defensive linemen to re-strengthen that pass rush. Um, like I said, you're probably not gonna you're probably gonna lose Marcus Davenport, and you, you, at this point, you got to find something in the draft to. Um, Rebolster that pass rush, um, and then I, I I'm gonna retract the Jameis Winston thing because he actually has one more year left on his deal, and thus the Saints just outright release him. But maybe the Saints can use their second round pick on a quarterback, whatever is good on day two, to compete with Jameis Winston because, well, it's like you can't really sign anybody on the open market. Andy Dalton's a free agent. Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, is going to be, for some reason, overpriced as hell. So, just bring in a quarterback, second round. Maybe he'll be he'll pan out. Hopefully. So, for the Saints, you know, it wasn't an entirely bad 2022. But, again, they were just mid. They were pretty mediocre. Just very meh with a couple of positives. The problem now is, it's like, they don't have a first round pick because they owe that to the Philadelphia Eagles, like at least like a top first round pick. They have a late first round pick, but they don't have the original first round pick. And they're still in the red. They are still in the red with money. It's going to make them hard to address a lot of their needs in the offseason. So honestly, I can again foresee things getting not just big hard, but even bigger hard. Like San Quentin hard. You know, like that movie, Get Hard. So it's going to get really big hard. And then not so easy for the Saints. Not just this offseason, but maybe in the next couple of offseasons. If we're looking at it right now. So halfway into this season recap part two, I'd like to know your thoughts um, on all three of these teams that we talked about so far. The Raiders, the Falcons, and the Saints. What are your thoughts about them going into this offseason? That's already started, and what do you think they're going to address or not going to address um, in the next week or a couple weeks or the next all offseason long? I'd like to know your thoughts and what's, what they should do. So let's continue along here. Um, let's 
now talk about the kitties in blue down in North Carolina. And that is, of course, the Carolina Panthers. So Carolina was not entering kind territory in 2022. They finished 2021 with a 5-12 and record. And they didn't really address the, the two biggest offseason questions of all. Head coach and quarterback. Why those two things? Well, for head coach, well, they had the micromanager in Matt Rule, the fool, um, still there. Why micromanager? Because, well, just look at the quarterback situation. Just look at how he ran that team in 2021. He still had Sam Darnold and P.J. Walker um, on the roster, and they didn't exactly do great in, in 2021. And then they, for some reason, took on Baker Mayfield, they traded for Baker Mayfield from the Browns um, because, well, the Browns already got Deshaun Watson for a shit ton and they made Baker Mayfield expendable. So, well, yeah, now they got uh, May- they had May- Mayfield uh, right before training camp, mind you. And Carolina's front office dipped their toes into big name quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, and they failed. Before they settled on Mayfield. So it looked like another lost season for the Panthers because most didn't expect Carolina to make a playoff push. And there were a lot of people like me were just mostly concerned about whether Mayfield could resurrect his quickly dying days as an NFL starting quarterback. And well, when was Matt Rule gonna get fired? So for the Panthers, um, they went on to prove exactly why they should have ridded themselves of Rule the Fool last offseason as they started 1-4. and four. You know, you had a strong defense at least um, because that's at least Matt Rule's specialty because his and Ben McAtoo's game planning, though, on offense was really bad. Baker Mayfield continued to regress um, as evident by his 2021 with the skid marks. Um, in fact, Baker Mayfield progressively got worse to the to the point where he would get benched in the second half of the game against the 49ers for P.J. Walker. The only thing good on that offense for Carolina was Christian McCaffrey, and he got traded before week seven um, to the 49ers. So as such, after two straight all embarrassments to Arizona and to San Francisco, owner David Tepper finally, finally, had enough, and fired Matt Rule, along with defensive coordinator Phil Snow after the 49ers loss. So it took an in-season firing of Matt Rule for David Tepper to have enough. So it's like, why couldn't you do that during the offseason last year? I don't know, but they finally did it. So in in term, the rest of the way was his defensive passing game coordinator, and some of you may know that, uh, he was a former head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, which went was pretty shitty back in 2018, and Steve Wilkes. So, P.J. Walker would start a few games, but just like in his last few years, he wasn't much of a difference in leading the offense. Um, Baker Mayfield would also start one more game against the Baltimore Ravens um, before he was released, paving the way uh, for Stam Darnold, who was actually on injury reserve since the start of the season um, with a high ankle sprain. So, Darnold also wasn't much of a difference maker um, in the passing game, but, you know, he at least did decently better um, at kind of protecting the football than P.J. Walker and Mayfield ever did all season up to that point. And, you know, he managed the offense okay-ish. Speaking of the offense, it was more so centered around a running back committee of Deontay Foreman, right here, Blackshear, um, being heavily reliant on their top receiver in D.J. Moore. They used him more frequently. Um, because, you know, they don't have Christian McCaffrey anymore. Uh, going back to the defense, they were a major reason why they stayed in the fight of, well, a crappy NFC South because, well, the Bucks absolutely were terrible um, in 2022. Uh, defensive end Brian Burns did well in the trenches uh, in run stopping and pressuring the quarterback. Linebacker Shaq Thompson also had himself another good year in both coverage and pass rushing. Uh, Second-year corner J.C. Horn, um, also had a well year uh, leading the team in interceptions and defended passes and a good amount of tackles too. Um, the problem was for the Panthers, those early season losses and just the overall talent deficit, you know, just piled on 
in in a critical game in what was a de facto NFC South title game in week 17 in Tampa Bay. They actually managed to, you know, run up the score um, against Tampa Bay, but they allowed a signature Tom Brady comeback and eliminate themselves from playoff contention um, in that week 17 game against the Bucks. And they wrapped up the season with a 7-10 record. A little bit of a shame uh, for um, the Panthers. Not really. Um, but not much of a surprise, though. Um, oh, kind of a shame, though, that David Tepper didn't keep Steve Wilkes as a permanent head coach because he kind of rallied his team to an even 6-4 uh, stretch prior to that matchup. They were kind of in striking distance of winning a shitty division. Um I mean, sure, they wouldn't have won um, against the Cowboys. Well, certainly not. But, you know, it would have inspired a little bit of confidence. But now they settled for former uh, Colts head coach Frank Reich. You know, actually a good move for Carolina. You know, you want to have an offensive head coach uh, for whoever's going to be the next quarterback. And it seems like the Panthers may be a little committed to starting some kind of rebuild. Maybe. Who knows? But the problem now is you got to figure out um, how you're going to um, address some of your key needs because looking at your, the offseason plan, they are a little in the red with their money. They, they're negative $9 million in tap space, so you, gotta, you have to figure out who to restructure um, and who, who could be a cap casualty. Uh, looking at some of their key free agents, um, you have Senator Bradley Bozeman, kicker Eddie Pinheiro, and tackle uh, defensive tackle Matt this I can't pronounce uh, last names, okay? So perhaps they, they managed to keep one or the other. Um, but either way, I prioritize uh, keeping Eddie Pinheiro because he was um, a solid kicker for them um, in 2022. Um, you do have the ninth overall pick in this NFL draft. Um, and, you know, you... You should use it on a quarterback um, because the problem for Carolina is that prospect that they may want, it could not be there anymore. Along with the fact they still have uh, a third round pick from, they have Cor Cor Matt Corral on the roster and they don't know what he's capable of. So if you're the Panthers and you see a top quarterback prospect that you like, whether it's at nine or you trade up, with whether it's the Bears or somebody else, you got to take it. You got to take what you get. If you see somebody, again, like I said just now, if you see somebody that you like and number nine, or what? if you trade up, you got to take it. You got to take a quarterback. It, it doesn't have to be the next Cam Newton or somebody. Somebody that fits with Frank Reich, if that Frank Reich likes. Um, then you got to retool the offensive line um, because... They can really block for shit, especially in the interior offensive line. And then you got to find a quality running back to replace the void. It doesn't have to be somebody like Christian McCaffrey, but somebody that can run really well. So, you know, for the Panthers, they're entering an important offseason. Um, whether that they want to make a wild card push or begin a rebuild. Um, they have to answer one of, one of those things. So... That will be defined by how they approach free agency and the draft. But more importantly, they have to find a long-term answer at quarterback because it's been a revolving door since Cam Newton left in 2019. Um, but overall, again, the most important thing is finding that quarterback if Carolina wants to finally break through what honestly could be a wide-open NFC South, considering that the Bucks are going through some household changes right now. Um, but in order for Carolina to do that, to break through um, and perhaps compete in the NFC South, well, owner David Tepper, general manager Scott Fitter, and head coach Frank Reich all got to get together and hit, hit the home run with the offensive side of the ball. And that starts with finding the answer at quarterback in the NFL draft. So the next thing we're going to be talking about here in part two of our 2022 NFL season recaps is the Tennessee Titans. Now for the Titans, they were coming in 
to the 2022 season as the reigning, defending, undisputed AFC South champions, uh, the three-time defending AFC South champions. But they were coming off a disappointing finish um, to end their 2021 campaign. They, Even though they got the top seed in the AFC, they lost to the eventual AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals um, in their first playoff game in the divisional playoffs. Um, in the game where you saw Ryan Tannehill throw three key interceptions and Derrick Henry pretty much get shut down in that game. So you kind of had some questions about the quarterback position going into the offseason. And, well, they had themselves a notable offseason um, by answering some of those questions. And then some, the most notably, trading away their top receiver, A.J. Brown, to the Philadelphia Eagles, drafting his replacement in Traylon Burks from Arkansas, and then drafting a quarterback from Liberty in the third round by the name of Malik Willis, all during the 2022 NFL draft. So a lot of moving parts in the offseason for Tennessee and some questions revolving around whether or not Malik Willis at some point would uh, surpass Ryan Tannehill as the starter. So, you know, despite some turnover on offense, you know, for as much as they had, the Titans, you know, still remained the team to beat in the AFC South. That was there to lose because well, looking at the rest of the division, it wasn't that great, at least going into the season. But the regular season was pretty much a disaster from the start. They blew a 13-0 lead and against the Giants, and then they got completely destroyed by the Buffalo Bills the, the game after. And that game against the Bills pretty much showcased what was to come uh, for Titans fans in just overall all season long. Because even though, yes, they won their next seven of eight games, they pretty much won it in very uninspiring fashion. The offense, again, was very reliant on Derrick Henry. And, yeah, Traylon Burke showed a couple of flashes here and there. But, I mean, there was not really a go-to weapon on all, uh, in the receiving game. And Ryan Tannehill was, eh. It's just, eh. He, kind of, he pretty much regressed in, in 2022. And... At times, yes, they showed flashes of aggressive plays and they jumped out to a big lead, but then they would get conservative and they nearly blew their games. So, yes, they went seven and uh, they won their next seven to eight games, but again, in very uninspiring fashion. It was also during the stretch, in, in between the stretch, that rookie Malik Willis would make his NFL debut because Ryan Tenhill suffered a serious ankle injury um, in week seven and. Yes, this was an injury that would end up plaguing him for the rest of the season. Um, but in that game against the Houston Texans and a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, it appeared that Willis just wasn't ready yet to take the field. Most of his passes were, were shaky. Play designs often relied on his rushing ability. The Chiefs easily shut that down um, in that primetime game that they played against the Titans. And, and you kind of had some questions about um, Malik Willis and if he, he can potentially be a starter next season. Now by week 11, um, yes, they were 7-3 after beating the Green Bay Packers in, on Thursday night. But from that point on, they went wound up losing the rest of the way. It wasn't just due to the stale offense, but a defense that was lacking in pass rush and pass defense. Even mind, they lost linebacker Harold Landry um, before the season even started due to a torn ACL. They went on to get even worse with the injury luck with linebacker Bud Dupree and Zach Cunningham, as well as corner Caleb Farley, all getting injured late in the season. On, on offense, Ryan Tannehill would re-aggravate his ankle injury and would miss the last three games of the season. Um, but the Titans wouldn't let Malik Willis start. They deferred that to signing journeyman free agent Do Joshua Dobbs. Um, and unsurprisingly, you know, uh, he failed to do anything remotely positive and the Titans wound up getting eliminated from uh, playoff attention by the Jaguars. Um, ending the season 7-10, and 10, and they finished with a league-high 23 players on injury reserve. So, just I'm just going to say this. You know, even had they beat um, the Jags in Week 18, which was pretty much an AFC South title game, they still would have been ass-whooped by the Chargers in the wildcard game. Fortunately for, for Titans fans, 
Um, head coach Mike Vrabel fired offensive coordinator Todd Downing, along with offensive line coach Keith Carter, because they were just ass. They have been ass the last two years in terms of offensive scheme. And with, with Carter, the offensive line has been a mess. So replacing them are passing game coordinator Tim Kelly, who's replacing Todd Downing's role, and assistant offensive line coach Jason Hotelling, replacing Carter's role. So hopefully they can fix the mess um, that their predecessors did. When you look at the Titans going into this offseason, there, there are some things to, to address because, oh boy, oh, oh boy, oh boy, because... You have questions about, yeah, that same question regarding uh, should Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis start, um, and if they if if and if if they should release Ryan Tannehill, do they have faith in Malik Willis starting um, in in twenty twenty three? That's something that they have to address. Otherwise, they're kind of in this holding pattern of like being mid. They're not terrible. They're not outright terrible, but they're, eh. Especially considering that, you know, Jaguars could are potentially on the rise in in the AFC. Not 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 saying that they like oh, they're like on the levels of the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals yet. But you never know because the Jagu- the Jaguars could potentially um be a repeat AFC South champion considering where Trevor Lawrence will be in year in year three with in in case of Doug Peterson, year two with the Jaguars. So the Titans kind of figures some things out. Um looking at their offseason, you know, they've already fired their general manager their previous general manager, John Robinson, during the season, perhaps for what he did for training away AJ Brown. And now they went on to replace him with former 49ers executive Ron Rand Carthon. Um, he's done a lot of quick work to get Tennessee under the salary cap, um, releasing a couple of key players, um, that originally would have gotten the Titans in the red. So looking at their cap space, they're around $11 million. So at the time of, um, I'm making this podcast. So, you know, you got, and now you have at least some flexibility to make, um, some moves to make, to make some moves in, in free agency. Um, you also have, I believe, the the 10th, no, the, the 11th overall pick in the NFL draft. So perhaps you use that on a receiver, on another on another receiver, um, opposite Traylon Burks. So you, you're definitely going to need another receiver um, after lose after trading away AJ Brown. Um, looking at some of your key unrestricted free agents, you got David Long, Corey Levin, Nate Davis. Perhaps you want to re-sign Nate Davis at guard. Uh, looking at some of your needs to address this offseason, you got to rebuild that offensive line, man. Especially, especially the exterior. Taylor Lewan was missed most of the season uh, with a knee injury. Pretty injury prone um, for the last three seasons, so you can't really rely on him anymore. Um, the right tackle spot never really solidified. Um, whoever was at quarterback um, and prone to quickly getting pressured and... They need to find two spart- uh, starters at both tackle spots. Um, like I said, you got to get uh, at least two receivers to compete against Traylon Burks for that number one role. Um, Burks has shown flashes, though, um, but he was battling the injury bug um, and trying to adjust to the NFL. Maybe he has a breakout year two, but either way, you got to at least find a number two and a number three receiver um, and maybe even another number one with that 11th overall pick. Um because otherwise, you're just going to leave that Titans passing attack nowhere to be found again in 2023. And defense is better targeting Derrick Henry. And you got to bolster up the secondary. They still lack at least two solid corners um, that could keep up with the opposing receivers. While they need another starting safety to go up and down the field with starter Ken Byard. So you really got to lock down uh, the downfield uh, attack, uh, the downfield defense. Um, otherwise, you're just going to get torched yet again. So overall, I guess I could say I clearly underestimated um, the loss of AJ Brown would have on Tennessee because it went on to worsen the problem the Titans would have the past few years in becoming too Derrick Henry centric on offense because 
yeah, they ended up being much worse than I, attend, I thought it would be. So hopefully this, these new changes on offensive coordinator um, and the new general manager, take he takes an offensive approach this free agency and the draft. And if it does, it'll be the addition that Tennessee needs to go beyond being just that generic offense in 2023. And the first thing they got to do, though, is figure out who's going to be the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans this coming fall. So what better way to cap off part two of our 2022 season recaps is, well, a team that is well known to be a skid mark on your underwear and on the toilet seat. And that is, of course, the Cleveland Browns. Of course, we like to call them here on Very Cold Lasagna and well known worldwide as the skid marks, the Cleveland skid marks. And well, why were they the Cleveland skid marks yet again in 2022? Well, for the Cleveland Browns, um, the Browns 2022 offseason was very notable. But for all the typical skid marks reasons, owner Jimmy Haslam and general manager Andrew Barry were stupid enough at the time last offseason to overpay uh, the Houston Texans up the ass and trade up for uh, their quarterback at the time, Deshaun Watson, for a shit ton of draft picks, which honestly, the Browns could have done a couple years ago in the 2017 NFL draft with, well, the number one overall pick uh, and get Deshaun Watson. But no, instead, they have to pay a shit ton of draft picks to go and get Deshaun Watson, including three, yes, three first and third round draft picks. Despite the uncertainty of his then ongoing sexual assault allegations and lawsuits. And there and I think there's still two that are still going on at this time. But most of the allegations and lawsuits were settled at the time. The NFL suspended Watson 11 games, leaving head coach Kevin Stefanski to make a game plan for backup Jacoby Brissett in the interim. And I I predicted that if the NFL would suspend Deshaun Watson at least for a good chunk of the season then the skid marks were going to be competing for his playoff spot, not by a long shot. But instead, the Browns were expected to rather evaluate talent until Deshaun Watson came back. So when you look at this season, at least a little bit of fairness, yeah, the Browns were not going to be that, that good. But they also weren't that bad either. They also weren't really that terrible. They weren't really that... Uh, typical skid marksy in fairness. Um, yes, as expected, the offense was very run centric. Nick Chubb wa- uh, was the Thomas the tank engine to assure that Jacoby Brissett wouldn't have to shoulder too much. And in fairness to Jacoby Brissett, um, he actually did m- very solid in managing the offense. Um, but, you know, as seen for much of his career, he has his limitations. And even though the offense did okay at times, their defense had a lot of problems. Um, they couldn't stop the run. Um, they, their corners were pretty bad. Um, they, they, the secondary didn't know where the receivers were a lot of the times. As such, they lost a, a good amount of winnable games uh, to start the season against the Jets, the Chargers, and the Ravens. A lot of blown opportunities to win it. It didn't help matters when you lose your linebacker, Anthony Walker Jr., early in the season to a season ending injury, which weakened both the pass rush and the passing defense. So, overall, yeah, the Browns, I mean, yeah, they weren't that great um, before Deshaun Watson came back. And it wasn't a great when he came back either. So, I guess on a positive note, before we get into Deshaun Watson, Reset, yes, he went 4 7 as a starter, but, you know, he ended that period on a high note. He led the Browns to a comeback win against Tom Brady and the Bucks at home in his last start in Week 12. So, you know, I guess that's good. I guess that's kind of good for Jacoby Brissett, you know, to go out on that kind of note um, before the the expected of the expected came. That time came for Deshaun Watson's debut in Week 13 in, of all places, Houston. He got that hostile ovation from the, whatever was left of the Texans fan base. And, you know, from that point onward, it was all about um, how Deshaun Watson was going to look, um, how Deshaun Watson was going to play the rest of the way. As expected, he looked rusty um, because he hadn't played in almost two years. Um, 
as he was underthrowing and overthrowing receivers, not recognizing pressure um, that Houston didn't have. Um, yeah, they won the game, but again, looked pretty rusty. But in Cleveland's final five games, he showed a little bit of flashes of his past self, but it was pretty evident that he looked really rough. Five games was not going to be enough to establish a rhythm, shake off such rust. And as expected, the Browns were eliminated from playoff contention in week 16 and ended the season at 7-10. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, the skid marks weren't going to go anywhere. But, I mean, in fairness, they weren't that terrible. But, again, not that great either. They're pretty mediocre. Um, so the season finale in Pittsburgh also saw a culmination of the defense's season-long collapse beyond the already mentioned on-field issues. For the most part, I guess you could say, in 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 short, they were lacking the discipline. Like players like um, Perry on Winfrey, um, Jadavion Clowney, and even Miles Garrett, um, they were lacking the discipline. They either got benched, um, they didn't start games, or in the case of Jadavion Clowney in the season finale, they were sent home. So head coach Ken Stefanski made the choice uh, to fire. Defensive coordinator Joe Woods and replaced them with former Lions head coach Jim Schwartz. Um, so I don't know how that's going to pan out, but hey, you never know. So yeah, the skid marks still remain the skid marks, <laughs> um, as if they weren't already skid marksy enough. Um, so they're the skid marks that we all know and love again. But obviously, the main focus for them now is to hope that Deshaun Watson will have a full offseason to prepare. I mean, like I said, he still has like at least two uh, sexual assault cases that he has to deal with. But they'll have to regroup and hope to attain better discipline and hope that Deshaun Watson will be ready to go um, with the full offseason um, for 2023. So for the Browns, they don't really have a lot of cap space to work with. At the time, I'm I'm recording this podcast. They're in. They were in the red. I'm not sure if they got under that, but not a lot of cap space to work with. They also don't have a first round pick, um, so not good. Not good for them either. So that, that it it may work this year, but over time it's gonna start buying you in the ass. Um, looking at some of their key free agents, you have defensive end Jadavion Clowney, uh, strong safety Ronnie Harrison, linebacker Anthony Walker, corner Greedy Williams. And running backs Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson. So, a lot of free, a lot of your starting defense um, going to free agency, um, unless if the Browns can restructure or make some other players cap casualties, then a lot of these player players are going to be gone. I imagine Jadavion Clowney is not coming back to the skid marks. Uh, some of the things that they have to address in in free agency. Obviously, the interior defensive line needs work. They couldn't stop the run. Um, they couldn't generate pressure um, inside, especially when Miles Garrett needed a shit ton of help. So they have to invest on not just the interior defensive line, but also on the opposite side of Miles Garrett because just like with Aaron Donald and other players that um, are like star defensive pass rushers, like they can't do it alone. They need a supporting cast. So, Miles Garrett could definitely use someone opposite of him, um, like on the other side, in order for the defensive line to really generate some heat on opposing quarterbacks. And, you know, they can definitely uh, stand to get some receiving help uh, between, uh, behind Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones because, yeah, David Njoka was okay, but uh, tight end, but it's like you don't really have that uh, other third option to go to in the event that Cooper and Peoples Jones are not doing well and you need a third option to step up, especially considering that, you know, you want to know what you have in Deshaun Watson, like how he'll do um, in his like first full year as a starter. So for the Browns, yes, they were the skid marks that we all know and love again in 2022. But in fairness, they were pretty mediocre. Like it's not really the, oh, it, they were the, the skid marks that, we all know to love because they lost so much. They were losing that many games in blah fashion. Like they they suck to suck. I mean, not really, not really this year. Um, but they were just getting marks because they made a, a 
a stupid decision to go get Deshaun Watson when he was in the midst of, you know, these legal, uh, these legal cases, and they made a stupid decision to go get him for, uh, these for a lot of picks when they had him available at the number one pick in 2017. That's why, and also, it's Cleveland. So for the Browns, it's gonna be very important that Deshaun Watson can at least show show kind of, show some like form return to form um this this offseason in in the offseason program in training camp and going into the regular season if he doesn't it's going to be very concerning uh, especially since they gave him a big fat contract and if he doesn't show any sign of of his prime days or when he was real, doing really good with a crappy Houston Texans team then it's going to be serious trouble for the skid marks that's going to be looking at that toilet seat saying, what is the shit that we just picked up in in the 2022 offseason? Like, shit. Literally. And with that, that is a wrap on part two of our 2022 NFL season recaps. We talked about the Las Vegas Raiders, the Atlanta Falcons, the New Orleans Saints, the Carolina Panthers, the Tennessee Titans, and the Cleveland Browns. Everyone but the Raiders went 7-10, and 10, so we took a stroll down Mediocrity Road, and it was, yeah, just exactly how I described it. Mediocre as hell. So anyway, if you're a fan of these teams, either one of them, let me know if you're a fan of them. Let me know from your perspective how they did, and how are you wanting to tell me in the comments on YouTube, if you're watching it from there, or if you listen on audio, leave a message DM me on social media at VeryColdLasagna on Twitter or Instagram. I'd love to know your perspective on your team, your personal team. Same thing with part one. Let me know your perspective. But anyway, we got a lot more teams to cover here. We're almost halfway there. In part three, we're going to talk about the almost was never enough teams. The six teams that almost made the playoffs, but unfortunately didn't. Didn't make the cut. So stay tuned for that. Until then... That is it for this episode of Vertical Lasagna. I am your filthy casual host, Dylan Lasagna, bringing you another set of filthy casual takes from this filthy casual place. And make sure to follow the show on Vertical, uh, Vertical Lasagna on Twitter and Instagram. And listen however you can. YouTube, Apple, uh, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google, however you want to consume it. And keep the lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of sports. And until next time, peace out.